It's All Relative with Susan Bradley, an original podcast series from News Talk. Welcome to It's All Relative. Today I'm speaking to a brilliant person with lots to say. This podcast, as you know, it's all about relatives and family. This person today obviously has his immediate family, the wider family of the travelling community and the family found within the LBGTQ community. Today I'm speaking to Huey Mon. Huey's 27, lives in Dublin and is a member of the travelling community. He's known for his fun, witty and most importantly, honest opinions on a number of reality TV shows. But at the same time, he happens to be somebody who's a gay man within the travelling community. His first experience was being selected for Big Brother in the UK, and since then he's graced our screens on a number of TV programmes, including Dancing with the Stars Ireland, First Dates Ireland, and MTV The Challenge. Before his life in the spotlight, Huey worked as a youth worker in the capital. Loads to chat about. But today, this is all about him, his relatives, his family and his story. Huey, welcome to It's All Relative. Thank you for having me. It's It's, nice to be here. It's brilliant to have you here. Thank you so much. Let's start at the beginning. Um, Before we we came into the studio, you were filling me in. So in in terms of where you were born, let's start there. Yeah. So I was born in Our Lady of Lords Hospital in Drada. Um, Second child. Um, I've got an older sister, Sabrina, who's 11 months older. So Irish twins. Wow. Either that or my mum and dad didn't have a TV (laughs) or something. I don't know. (laughs) Or the fact that they were 21. So just being 21 year olds. (laughs) With a two month old. Yeah. And then had me. So my mum and dad used to live in London, actually, when she came pregnant with me. Not that my mum will tell me that because she's quite old fashioned, but I kind of count back the dates because I'm kind of weird like that. (laughs) Like I want to know these things and my sister was born in Camden and then my mum and dad moved to Ireland because my mum couldn't cope with not being at home because she's like that I'm not not really like that well let's start so your dad is Huey Senior your mum's Kathleen and then there's Sabrina who's 11 months older than you and then Marianne Huey and then Marianne is six and a half years younger so so were they a bit shocked when Huey came into the world that they waited six years to have a third yeah do you know what my mum now says she kind of wishes she'd had more. And my dad actually says he wishes that they'd fostered or adopted kids, but particularly kids from the travelling community. Not that, not ado- like they wouldn't have adopted anyone mm. else, but maybe, maybe because they'd understand them, well, not understand them, but show them their culture that they're from. Sure. Sort of. I don't know. I don't know what my dad kind of means by that, but he always says that he wishes he'd adopted within our community because there's kids who. I suppose need homes, whatever. Sure. And I think it's also because he wanted more kids and he's quite a quite um a kid person, mm. if that makes sense. We mm. always babysat like all my little cousins and whatever. Well, we babysat or my mum babysat and he had the nice moments and then he'd walk out when they were crying. <laughs> exactly. So you, you, your mum and dad lived in London, um, had your your sister. older sister and then you came over and you were born yeah, in Drogheda. So my dad went from Camden to Kilburn, I think it's called, one day to do something and next he heard my mum was in Santry in her mum and dad's <laughs> 
he rang my mum, my grandparents through a payphone. I think he said to their house phone, and my mum was there, so she was already in Ireland. Really, like within a few hours, so he had no choice but come. And both your parents are from the travelling community. Yeah, and my dad is born in Mullingar and grew up in between Bellewstown and London because okay. my dad has a genetic illness. So when he was thirteen, um, he found out he has this illness called Wilson's disease, which okay. is a liver condition, and it comes out in puberty. And it means you can't, your body can't digest or break down copper in food. So mushrooms and all that kind of that. So he basically would have died if he didn't get medical treatment and he couldn't give it to him in Ireland back mm. then. So his parents moved to London and he spent three years in hospital in King's College Hospital. Okay. So that's how my dad's life between London and how him and my mum kind of moved there because his uncles and all stayed there and whatever, travelling community, especially back then, everyone moved around together as a family. So the fact his parents went to London everyone kind of followed suit and some of them are still there now right. since the 80s and so So after Drogheda you were born when did you come to North County Dublin? So my mum's from Ballymun right. my mum was born in St James's then grew up in Ballymun then my mum and dad moved, came back from England I was born in Drogheda they lived in a little halting site in Balbriggan because um, it's down nearest to where my dad's parents was living in Bellewstown County Mead and then after, I think I was a few months old, they moved to Tala. Yeah. To the Halden site in Tala. Because some of my dad's family lives over there. Then I was three and they moved to Ballymun where my mum's parents was still living because my mum's from there. Into a different Halden site where... I've spent most, all my life. I okay. said that's my home and where I'm from. Even sure. though I wasn't born there and I was three when I moved to Ballymun, it's definitely where I'm from. So, so. what was it like growing up on the Holton site in Ballymun? Um, I feel like everyone, it's hard to ask that question to anyone because it's like it's like me asking what's it like to... Growing up in sp- my childhood. What's it like to speak English? Or what's it like to have green eyes? Or We only know what we know, don't we? But I think when I, I think what people kind of mean by that is like because there's a perception of travellers and then me being gay and like did those two things clash and whatever so I think that's kind of what people mean by that question so like growing up was definitely really hard when I was younger I didn't have many friends did you not? it's really bizarre because everyone used to say I was really shy and I'm not shy at all oh my god I'm so like I love seeing the world I love seeing people as homely and patriotic and all these things I am I love nothing more than like Traveling and seeing places, and like I'll come back to Ireland when I'm 65 and, and just live here then. I'm like that, like I'll always be Irish. Do you remember them being shy? Like if people said you were? I was really scared of how people used to treat me because I was, I was, I was so timid. I remember when I think back to my childhood, it's quite, it wasn't happy at all. I don't think anything happy. Did you go to school locally? Yeah, in St. Joseph's School in Ballymun and then I went to Trinity Comprehensive for my uh, secondary school. But I am... Um, my childhood wasn't happy. It wasn't happy at all. My, I didn't kind of... I didn't understand. I didn't feel like I didn't... I didn't feel like I had anyone that I could look up to or relate to. I, any travellers i ever seen in the media, I never felt like I related to them... Um, the world was different back then. Like, mm. there's, there's a lot more conversations in general about like gay people and gender and everything like in the world today and fashion and things that there wasn't even in the 90s or early 2000s. So I just I felt like I never fitted in. I always tried to look for a sense of identity because, like, with travellers, I was strange or weird or like did use homophobic words or question my gender, all of these sorts of things because I liked certain hobbies you didn't understand how a bike liked us. Like mm. it was very stereotypical and conditioning, right? And then with non-travellers, 
people judged me for being a traveller so I never knew where to I genuinely sure. did not know where to fit in like it caused me a lot of identity issues and that really like became so apparent as I got older because I went very negative I feel like in my ambitions to be in the media because when I was little I always wanted to be some form of an entertainer and I was really infatuated by like I'd watch TV shows and I'd like even though I wasn't sporty or like sports but I loved uh, when I'd see sports and stuff I loved like the crowd and I loved the like I'd go limelight yeah and I'd go to games with my dad in Crow Park and stuff and I loved um, the sense of achievement from it. And that's when I'd done boxing. I liked that and stuff. But it wasn't my dream to be a boxer. But I liked the sense of achievement. So I always wanted to be some form of an entertainer or do something like that and be myself and be open. I think to be celebrated almost, sure. if I'm honest. Yeah. But when I came a teenager, that became quite negative where I just wanted to be famous or something. But I think I was looking for acceptance and love. But that's just complete fake love. Yeah. Whereas now I've kind of... I remembered who I was and I remembered why I liked it and I like meeting people and I like the celebration of it. I like the achievement. I love learning stuff and I, I, like, I love making people laugh and I love entertaining people. So now I've gone back to why I always loved that whereas I came a teenager and kind of wanted it for the wrong reasons but sure. I know why it's because of my childhood and yeah. the things that kind of happened in my life Well if I can go back to childhood just for a second and we'll go into the kind of teenage years in a sec your sisters like what what were they like with you because obviously this pod is all about family relatives and how they reacted Yeah, obviously your two sisters well first of all when were you aware that you were different and when when did you come out? Because I know we will jump ahead when you mentioned to your dad that you were bisexual yeah, before going yeah, into yeah, Big yeah. Brother. But going back to kids, just at you as a young Huey. Yeah. I suppose, firstly, when did you find, when did you realise you were different? And secondly, what were your sisters like with you? Well, so my younger sister, because she's six and a half years younger, I feel like there's been two very different relationships with yeah. both my sisters. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And even that six and a half years, my God, society has changed so much in the last 20 years that I grew up quite different to she did, if that makes sense to you, even within the travelling community. Yeah. Jesus, things have changed. Um, but like me and Sabrina, my older sister, we've always been very close because we're so close in age. And me and my younger sister have a very similar personality. So we get along and have our own relationship for that reason. So gotcha. two different relationships with them, like all family will. Um, and when I was really small, like I would watch like American high school movies and I was only telling somebody this yesterday. And you know, so like you have that like school jock that everyone fancies. Yeah. I felt like really weird towards him. I don't even describe it as. I clearly obviously fancied him, but didn't know how to understand that. Yeah. If that makes sense. Yeah. yeah. Or like when I was really little, I was really like obsessed with like the princes and like Disney movies and all. So I remember feeling that way when I was like, four years old or something and <laughs> <Okay. laughs> like stuff like that um, but I knew I was kind of different I think maybe when you get to five or six and you're outside playing and you don't relate like you know now you're a boy and this is what boys do but you don't feel right doing that Right. I'm not being stereotypical about being gay but I just think in general I felt really different like I felt like I didn't fit in with guys but then the world that I grew up in it was so old fashioned that boys and girls, even as kids, were kind of, we were told back then that boys and girls don't play with each other. Really, yeah? Yeah, so I remember back to stuff like that. So I knew I was really different. And I remember actually parents in the Halton site where I grew up, 
actually called me homophobic names when I was about six years old. Parents. Would stop their kids from playing with me and I wouldn't know how to go home and tell my parents that. Like I'd never tell them I kept it to myself. And surely your own mum and dad, did they not see that? We, we asked them that now but they're so, even as much as things is, is better and more understanding, they're still quite old-fashioned that I think they don't even like to address that. I think, I think sometimes they feel a bit guilty. Yeah. So they like to just not even talk about it. Like a lot of old school Irish parents do. Because I think in the travelling community, my parents is kind of like how in general my non-traveller friends' grandparents are. Sure. It's like one generation behind. I'm just thinking of little Huey though in Yeah, Valley it's quite Mon. sad when you think of it. Like it's no wonder you were like timid. No yeah. wonder I was timid, yeah, for God's sake, with stuff like that and constantly you, having kids geria and stuff. And then you go into school and you'd feel really segregated. And like when I think back to the stuff that used to happen in school about us being travellers. So like if one traveller kid had a fight in the yard, we'd all get called to the office and he'd get us. He used to, I remember instead of doing lines as a punishment, he had a poem that was about anti-bullying. And I remember it was a red piece of paper. I'll never forget it. And... He'd get one of the kids, and I remember it was always this girl called Louise. It was always her. He'd always get her to read it out because we all needed to know why bullying was wrong. So even if it wasn't you who was yeah. responsible, because you were part of the travelling community, you were all brought to the office. That's bonkers. Can you imagine a principal now saying, can all Muslim kids come yeah. to the office? Did Like, they'd be arrested. That's and rightly so, like, you should get into trouble for that. And again, then, did you go home and tell your folks that? Like, was there any like, uproar? Or? I felt like we could, I could talk about that because that's what everyone else was talking about. The travelling community, in my experience, is very much like, if everyone else is doing it, it's fine. Yeah, so to okay, be safety in numbers. Oh my God, to be different is like the bloody demon whereas I love being different and I'm and I love doing my own thing and I go out my way to be different today it's almost a thing to make like the little Huey proud but like I had great parents like my parents was very supportive like they only knew the world that they knew of course and my dad always brought us on like nice holidays my dad always like worked hard my dad's a marathon runner and he does triathlons he, yeah? he's a charity because of him being in hospital himself of course he raises money for Temple Street and I think now he's raised about 100,000 maybe wow. through his runs and that's just like from his mates that's not even doing like online GoFundMe or and he wouldn't even know how to do that because <laughs> he can't read or write he's never been to really? mainstream school yeah but he's so smart um, and your mum Kathleen what's she like she can read and write yeah she, like she used to work in a school when she was um, younger in Gardner Street because there was traveller only schools back then even in my lifetime all of my traveller friends who didn't go to a mainstream high school or secondary school I love why I'm saying high school because I lived in England for a few years. <laughs> secondary school. They used to go to a traveller only secondary school that's in Coolock. That's closed down now, St. Thomas's. So my friends my age went to a traveller only secondary school, which is crazy. So were you dying to leave school then? Yeah, school wasn't great. School is my biggest achievement. I don't believe in sir. And I was the first uh, traveller person who ever went to that school. Um, to do my leaving cert. And they have a plaque now in their school saying Stop. that, you know. In 2012, I don't know. So it'd been open 34 years by then and travellers had been settling in Ballymun for 40 years and no one had done their leaving cert. And in our graduation, they like called it out and stuff. So I stuck out school. I still have friends from school and teachers and stuff that always have stayed in touch with me. And when I look back now, I wish I enjoyed it more. But I just had so many demons inside me. I'm going to be honest. Like I had a lot of issues about my home life and my mum um had a lot of mental health issues growing up that came from my birth like it was really scary for my mum and stuff and that's kind of why my mum 
didn't have me little sister until six okay. and a half years later and why she didn't go on it's to have more It's a traumatic kids. birth. Yeah, it was really traumatic. But I think now we try and like be positive about it and say even Huey's coming into the world was really dramatic. <laughs> was, uh, and I was born in a breech birth with my bum first and we said that says everything. <laughs> <laughs> and now I'm famous for having a big bum. So I was checking go. it out earlier. <laughs> I wasn't born with it though. That wasn't there that day with, the doc- with that doctor. A different doctor gave me a... So um, you, you okay? So you mentioned uh, you know in your teenage years earlier on that you really wanted to be part of the limelight. Did you have any idea um, as you were coming to the end of your schooling years what you wanted to be or do? I just wanted to work in media. I was going to yeah. go on to go to uh, Ballyfermot, and I got in. I got my grades and all to do um, a media studies course. But I ended up going and working and doing a like internships, like on the job training in a. Exchange House on Great Strand Street. It's a travellers' rights organisation and they have a youth work department. Yeah. And I done training with them and then went on to work in the Ballymun Child and Family Resource Centre. How long did you do that for? 18 to Big Brother, 21. Okay. Yeah, did yeah. you enjoy it? Yeah, God, I'm such a people's person and I loved bringing something, I, I felt different to it. Like I felt like I could understand sometimes kids' behaviour and stuff. Now, don't get me wrong, Jesus. I'm, I wasn't always like bloody Oprah sitting down <laughs> trying to figure it out. I was bloody losing my life with them sometimes. But Aren't we all? <laughs> like a big brother breakdown moment sometimes in the kids' youth club. But I I knew I wanted to do something in the media. Oh my God, I always just loved it. And I used to read books and watch telly and watch award shows and read magazines and all of this. And if there was podcasts around back then, I'd have been listening to them all. And I've always been like that. So I used to tell my teachers that I was going to be on TV. And my Irish teacher, one day she was um, telling me to do my work. And (laughs) I can't believe I said this, but I turned around and said, well, I don't need to do my work because I'm going to be a reality TV star. And she told me I'm her only student that actually went on to do what I wanted to do and it was probably the most like proud moment yeah probably the most obscene ambition anyway so like that should be the one that nobody achieved if that makes sense because it's the most hardest probably Uh, it's not like you can go to university to become I don't know get on telly you still need so many positions so where did you get to like thinking I want to be a reality TV star to getting into Big Brother did you decide Big Brother is my way of getting in or was there a lead up to that? Um, I'd never auditioned for any shows before. Um, It's kind of weird because when I auditioned for Big Brother, I didn't see that as a way of getting into media at all because I was such a pop culture fan. I knew the show had declined so much so nobody was getting careers from it. But I loved the show so much that I still wanted the experience. And I always believed in my heart and I still do now and I'm still trying to figure out where I want to go. But I always believed in my heart that I'd like I'd do work in media to some degree, mm. big or not. And I still believe that now, like that there's so many things I want to achieve and I know I will achieve. For sure I know I will and I can do it like anyone can. But when I auditioned for Big Brother, I had just come out to my family and I decided 2016 is going to be a year where I do things for me because my childhood, to be like I'd never really done much that was for me and I felt very suppressed and... I didn't really feel like I fitted in as we've like kind of touched on and stuff. Mm. So How this, old were you at that stage? 21. Okay. So this was time like to start doing things for sure. me and I was working in the like the resource centre in Ballymun and I didn't have a printer at home so I went to the 
job centre to print out some paperwork and that's the day that I actually applied for the show on the computer in the job centre in Ballymun. Wow. That's the day I applied for it but I didn't think it would bring me anything. I actually done it. It's so bizarre because when I finally went on telly I didn't go on a thinking this is going to be the beginning of my career and I think that worked out to be better because it made me be a lot more natural yeah. whereas a lot of people go in and they're very like they're very kind of they're thinking of everything they're doing and saying thinking this will bite me the arse in five years whereas I didn't give a bloody crap I was 21 and I was walking around in the bloody underpants drinking from a pint of beer and I don't know having a fell on the telly when I'd just come out to my family and this is all new to them and I don't know telling everyone what I thought of them and people ended up loving it Did you decide I'm going to tell my folks that I am gay or bisexual as I read how did that come about did you say I'm going to do it right before I go into the into the Um, the no, well, house. I didn't know whether I was going to get into the show or not. So I, I didn't think like, oh, well, I'm definitely going into the show in June. So I need to tell them or whatever. Yeah. I went out on New Year's Eve with some of my cousins and friends and my sister and whatever. 2015 coming into 16. I went out with my, like some of my family and we went to a bar or whatever. And then we ended up going to this pub in Ballyfermer where, where like some family members were, mm. like my mum and dad and all. And my cousin, to cut a long story short, seen me kissing a guy, a traveller guy, right. that night. And then I just told her and my sister and a few other people. And before I knew it, loads of people knew. So kind of if I hadn't gone on Big Brother, it would have got back to my parents by somebody else anyways. So I was kind of like, I knew I had to kind of just like be myself. And by then I was ready to do it. I was sick of not being me. I was sick of not living life for me or having any plans or dreams that was like for me do you know I wanted to just be myself yeah. like like I was 21 near coming 22 it was like when am I bloody going to live my life Absolutely. and do anything that's for me like I'd go out with friends and like I'd always I was living a complete fake life so like I didn't want to do that anymore so I started telling people but I never had a conversation with my parents and I never have to this day ever have really apart from when I done this show last year on RT called Celebrity Pulling With My Parents. My dad done it with me and that was the only time we've ever had conversations about relationships or men or dating or anything or gay or anything. We've never spoke, we just haven't spoke about it. I've just kind of got on with my life. And he kind of, they already knew and there was a slight dropping of hints by me and them and then family members kind of were speaking to them about it and then I went on Big Brother and I was supposed it was completely confirmed then. Yeah. But like I never came out to my grandparents or anything. They kind of just found out when they found out. But I've been told since that before I even went on Big Brother, like my cousins and aunties and all had already told them and they already knew but they just... Never discussed. They, they never told me, yeah. yeah. They didn't come over to mine and say, oh, Huey, so-and-so told me to just come over and acted how do you any yeah. other day? So, so okay, so you go, you go over to the UK. Yeah. You're selected for Big Brother. I was reading up like you were in some other house, weren't you, before you went into the main Big Brother house. Was that was that the way it worked? Yeah, so my season had two houses. Yeah. So there was the main house and then they built the other house. So what happened was they put six of us in the other house and they put 13 but 12 housemates because there was a set of twins as one housemate in the main house and we basically then had to kind of do challenges and kind of mind game stuff and Big Brother playing mind games with us on each other to kind of 
win real housemate status but it's much more complicated than that like that's why my tattoo has the darkness and the light one represents one house and the other so for people wondering he has the big brother eye on his right le- forearm left left left, left forearm left forearm um, that I got done after big brother and it's my favourite tattoo so Huey like what was it like when you go into this house first of all are you aware of the cameras all around I was aware because I was such a fan like and like I was such a fan that I was aware because I, w- I wanted to look at it all and I wanted to observe what the whole house looked like and I just wanted to know what it was like inside and out. Like I was a fan going on there. So it was the same even in my audition process, the production process and every little thing I wanted to know exactly what it was like to kind of be on that show or, or reality shows yeah. in general because I'd ask like the producers is this what it's like on, on this show and is this like and it's kind of the same process I wanted to know what the mics were like and like is this <laughs> rumour true is that rumour true and like all of these different things so this was the same of the cameras I wanted to see the cameras and was there really cameras in the bathroom and what happened was, like, gotcha. I was just like that so I was aware in that sense, but then in, in the sense of was I editing myself because of the cameras? Jesus Christ, no, not at all. Yeah, you just I, kind of for, you forget kind of. But you really ways. do forget. Like it's like us having a chat in here now. We're aware of what we're doing, but you become natural and just keep chatting. Yeah, of course, I mean? of course. You do become accustomed yeah. to things. But I'm, I'm kind of thinking like, my God, the, the day you got told, right, you're, you're, you've been selected, like... Come on, for you as as somebody who is huge media oh, interest, incredible. that's unreal. Yeah, so it was actually the 29th of April. So in two days, it would have been six years ago. Wow, okay. I just thought of that now when you said <laughs> that to me. And I auditioned, I sent my email, I think like the 5th or 6th of January. I want to tell you about that part though first. Because for a lot of people listening, auditioning for shows is so difficult. So like... You know how you have like a link to audition for certain programs? Like there's a website. Yeah. The only reason why they put up that and producers like tell me this is for legal reasons. So they're giving everybody the kind of same right Right. to apply. But they hugely like contact people through agencies, Instagram, so much more now than six years ago. But even back then, like most of our house had been contacted. Only a few had actually auditioned. In fact, I think there was like three of us that was housemates from auditioning. Wow. And I didn't even audition through the website. I found an email address. So I'm sort of in between as well. I wasn't contacted, but I didn't apply to the website. Like I knew, as I said, a big fan of the show, mm. reading stuff. And like I'd read Jade Goody's autobiography and all of these things. So I knew there was going to be tens of thousands of people auditioning. So I sat down and I Googled, how do you apply for Big Brother? I already knew there was a website, but I obviously said why I didn't do that. And I kept filtering through Google and I found an article and on the article it said Big Brother Auditions coming to Carlisle, which is like north, north west of England. Yeah, Mm. yeah. Um, And in it there was an email address and I don't know how there was an email address in this article, but there was. And I emailed them, like the, the email of all emails Holy Jesus, when they seen this, they were not, not ringing me. They're either <laughs> ringing me or, I don't know, ringing a doctor and saying oh he needs my help. God, did you say? Oh my God, it was so How shocking. Are you, lads? It was beyond. What did you say? Oh, I don't know if I should say. Well, I was Go like, on. I argue all the time. I didn't say it cleanly, but I give amazing oral sex. I. I want to get drunk. I'm a traveller. I'm like, I like boys. I've been with girls and like all, I never said I was bisexual. So that thing, that came from a different reason when I 
I'll tell you Get in a you. second. I said I'd been with girls, but I fancy boys. I was in a transitional period of fully understanding yeah. and accepting myself. So that was my way of saying it. Because until you've been in that position, you don't know how hard it is to say the word gay. Yeah, okay. That becomes so hard. Okay. That word is such power to people coming out. It's it's so strange. Like, it's bizarre. And you only realise that when you're in that position and, and when I think back now. So I just put so much in this email. But it was me. I wasn't lying. But it was all of me con- concentrated. So, like, I, I just... It was really good when Can I think Can you imagine back. the person who received that? I can't that. because of what they said to me. No way. So, like, What's that person sent it over to their friend because they weren't working on the show anymore. So they could have just think, oh, that's nothing to yeah. do with me now. So thankfully they didn't. Sent it over and then that, the friend, the producer guy, Dominic, um, emailed me and he said, can I have like your phone number to ring you? You sound like crazy. You, like you sound fascinating. I need to speak to you. <laughs> and then he rang me and I was watching Dunley Wears Essex with my little sister. Obviously, because I love those shows, <laughs> all of the the trash. <laughs> but uh, I was watching it, and he rang me, and we had a chat. I remember I walked outside, and like, because I didn't want my family or anyone to hear, because it was my secret then. And I walked away, and then he they came to the Jury's Inn, which is not the Jury's Inn anymore, on the right. keys, and um, for auditions. And luckily, it was like they were coming there in two or three days. So if I'd even left it a week, I would have probably missed that opportunity. I'd and, say you'd have got in. But it might, it might have been harder because yeah. luckily that guy was coming in a few days and the guy who was sent it to knew that and sent it over. Like, what it was meant to be, I think, happens in this world. Even if you're good at something, it's you need something on your side like that. So I went to the audition. I spent about an hour and a half talking complete rubbish with the two of them, making them laugh and everything else. But my stories was true. Like, yeah. my drunk stories was true. My sex stories was true. My work stories, my life, my family, how I grew up, like being a complete like alien species. Like I've barely touched on it with you, but I was so different growing up where, where I was. And my family always said I should have been a politician because I used to like have so many opinions on things and all. So like <laughs> I told them all about this and they just loved that. Yeah. And do you know what they loved? They loved the fact that I was from the traveling community and very individual because that's never portrayed in the media, whether it's by travelers or by the media. It's always very stereotypical. Yeah. And as I said, travelers are scared of being different. So even the ones who goes on TV and, and acts very st- stereotypically travelers in a positive way, they're doing it sometimes because they're aware of other travellers watching it and they don't want to kind of give anyone anything to say because God forbid somebody has an opinion on you. That's kind of the view, if you know what I mean. So I was so individual and daring to be myself that like they just loved it. Which is so unique. It's it's brilliant. I mean, you you are who you are. I am who I am. And what was good is I was a 21-year-old who didn't care about getting loads of Instagram followers. I didn't have a six-pack. I wasn't doing it for career reasons, but I was honest that, you know what, I'm excited, the fact that I'm going to be on TV, but this isn't going to make me famous. But most others that went into the house were like proper like Instagram models and sure. had been on telly before and they had agents. Whereas I was Huey from a traveller <laughs> site in Ballymun and I just wanted to get drunk for a few weeks. So there was obviously inside the house and outside the house. Outside the house, when you told your family, I'm going into the Big Brother house, what yeah. did they say? So... My mum then found out I was auditioning because I needed a lift to the airport. <laughs> and she just treats me like I'm five. So, and I was like skint at the time, so I couldn't like afford taxis. And, and um, 
she treats me like I'm five so therefore like she needs to know everything I'm yeah. doing so I wouldn't have got peace even just saying I'm going to England for the day and I used to go in the morning and come back at night and I used to pay for that myself like this is how much yeah. I wanted to yeah. get on this show I was like I need to get on this show I need to do it and I need to have fun and stuff and she just was like oh Huey for God's sake but she knew she couldn't stop me and then she was <laughs> I was cooking chicken fajitas which feels disgusting because I don't eat meat now at the time and I got a phone call and I knew it was 29th of April Loads of auditions and five million phone calls. Anna had a producer's visit in Dublin. A Did producer you? came over and we went and got drunk in Temple Bar. Um, they then just told me, like, you've got on the show, you've been booked for the show. But I kind of knew by then, but it was still like a really happy moment. And I remember how I felt. And I walked in to tell my mum and she said, oh, shut up, you're lying, whatever. And then that was it. <laughs> and that was 29th of April and you probably went on I went in, in June June the 7th Tuesday June the 7th and in fact I can almost know down to the time I went in so it would have been like almost like 10pm look how much I remember it's nuts. and I remember that whole day and I remember the producers and everything that happened I'm getting like, out of the car and the it's like when I had my baby like I don't have a baby but <laughs> it's like having the day I have my kid I remember it all <laughs> it's your baby so okay so you go in um, blindfolded you... with headphones on with radio really I, we were brought in in a secret task oh my god okay. it was so bizarre so when you went back when you went into the main house that was on day 12 Okay, you you were there for 48 days. Yeah, so I was in on day 12 and then I stayed in the main house for about, about six weeks. That's right, yeah. You, and it was Big, Big Brother 17. So there was yeah, lots of ones before. And it, okay. was, and it was like 17, yeah. But it also had spin-off series and celebrity ones, so I'd watched about 40 series <laughs> okay. of the show. So you ended up in fancying somebody in the... Yeah, but I didn't fancy him to begin with. It was a bit odd. Like, I went in the first night and he was in the second house with me. So this was the other house and we were dressed in overalls. And I was so naive and really trusted the producer so much that (laughs) I'll never forget the day of launch. She said to me, sorry for going back, but I have to tell you this. She said to me, she came in with this boiler suit and she turned around and she said to me, Oh, Hugh, you're going to be a um, maverick, um, Tom Cruise from Top Gun. We're dressing you up as him. And I didn't believe her <laughs> like an imbecile. I didn't get to do the walk into the house. didn't get to do the car drive up. I was brought from a hotel, blindfolded with earphones, in a car to this house. So I went from the real world to that. I didn't have a transition, which was really, Weird. really mindfuck. Yeah, were you like I bricking swear. it? I was bricking. No, I was excited. I was just nervous, but I was excited. But I wanted that. I wanted to walk in. I wanted to feel important for a minute. <laughs> but um, anyway, so I went in. My ex was in there and my now best friend, Charlie. Hold love. on, your ex? No, well, he's my ex now. Oh, sorry, sorry, Ryan. Ryan was there, yeah. Sorry, okay, yeah. So the second I seen Ryan, and I'm going to tell you something really weird now. Second I seen Ryan, the first thought that came to my head was, oh my God, of course you're in here. Because I'd, I'd seen him on bits of programmes in the past and thought, oh my God, what a, bl- can I swear? Yeah. What a fucking gobshite. That's what it is a tink of him. Like, God, he's just to irritate me. And it's bizarre because it shows you, this is why I don't know if there's such a thing as like, there must be such a thing as like God or some sort of power or something because how did I remember him so much and why did he used to irritate me just watching him? And I'll never forget being in my job one day and it came into my head, who was that guy that liked fake tan that was on the Vicky Patterson show? That's what came into my head. And that's what I Googled and his name came up and I tried to add him on Facebook. No way. Before I entered that, how bizarre. And then you were in the house, there he was. And he was just there and he had a face on him like thunder because he was raging because he was clued up on telly stuff. So he knew something was going on when he was 
blindfolded on. He we're thought he was going into little, the main house yeah, too. Yeah, little naive Huey was I just going along with it. In your boiler suit. Yeah, and I was like, when I think back now, how stupid was I to believe what you told me? But I mean... I don't know, maybe that made me a good housemate, I don't know. But he was like fuming. Was he checking you out in the boiler suit going, how are you doing? He told me afterwards that he was. But we went in and we were just friends and we used to annoy each other because he used to talk over me and I used to talk over him. And the first night, it was actually, when I think back, it's actually a nice thing to think of because as much as there was negatives in the relationship, there was some good things. You know, I didn't get into the relationship for no reason either. And I wasn't always right, but... He's just, he just can be a bit of a gobshite. But um, we, we were smoking and we were just, we were drinking till like six o'clock in the morning and everybody else went to bed. The birds was treating outside and because it was summer, it was bright. And we went to bed for about two hours and then got up the next day and just carried on with day two. But we were so, so hungover. I think we were young and high on life and bloody excitement of the house. But... Like when I think back now, I didn't really fancy him then. I just found him really funny. Mm. And I wish I stayed with that because if we'd never got together, I reckon we'd be best friends now. Yeah. Because those sides to them, I'm all right with. But it's different when you're in a relationship because you have a different relationship down with people, don't you? Um, but the intensity of being in there too. It's you crazy. Had that. Um, actually, and you're locked away like there was no one else. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Here's a question, a random question. You know the way the lights all go down and then suddenly, do they all come on in, yeah. in the morning? Yeah, like their panels in the roof, they're not like lights or even like, you know how... Like, no, those lights, no one yeah, like the read, Yeah. But like the entire roof is a light box. So it's, it's just all a light. So you're fast asleep and, and next boom. thing. And if you don't get up, they turn off the water and do stuff to make everyone argue. Or they'll play like the most bizarre techno electronical drill sound. It's like. <laughs> and it was like some like really big festival lovers in there. So they would get up and dance. And I'd be like, <laughs> that's just a pain in the head. <laughs> Uh, You've got your face mask well, up and going, the music, what? The music might have been a pain in the head or the, I don't know, the five glasses of wine the night before might have been a pain in the head for me in there. But yeah, that's true. And you Does can't have a wear, routine? You can't wear sunglasses inside. You can't sleep in the day. Uh, oh, there's so much you can't do. If you, you have to wear your mic 24-7. I broke five, by the way, and they're two and a half grand each. So I broke five of them, which is great. I didn't break any on my most re- recent show, The Challenge, because they make you pay for them. <laughs> but Big Brother, they, give, they don't give you enough money to have to pay for them. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I broke five mics. And yeah, so the lights come on every single morning. You have to get up at like nine they don't turn off the lights until every single housemate is in bed, which sometimes is 5am. Really? Yeah. So the fact that you and Ryan were up drinking. Yeah, but the first night they didn't do that to us in the other house. Sometimes they changed the routine if there's something important. So because the next day would have been the first proper day and because we were in the other house, we had a lot of tasks to do. Okay. And we had to like watch videos of the main house and then we had to give our opinions on them and like bring some of them over to our house and give them positions. So the team was paranoia and suspicion with something kind of like living in the background and we were the living in the background and everyone was shocked but it had been all over the papers for months there was a second house so I don't know why they were so shocked in the main house. <laughs> Jesus Christ almighty. <laughs> They'd done enough preparation getting their agents to should have looked at the bloody papers. <laughs> and... <laughs> So we had to do all these tasks where we had to like give people certain titles like like for example there was one where we we had to get everyone to stand on podiums but Big Brother was doing the talking for us and they had to put themselves a a name that they give themselves so intelligent, fake, sexy, all of this and then we would target them based on 
like the title they gave themselves. Okay. okay. And when I think back now, Big Brother was really been very produced because I thought when they were showing me clips of them, that that was them. But I know now Big Brother was only showing us certain stuff of each to probably dissuade in a way they maybe wanted it to slightly. Yeah. Like they don't tell you what to do, but they can control the games and what goes on of so course. much that you don't understand how easily manipulated we are as people. When like, you when you went into the um the Big Brother what you call it, the little room. The diary room. The diary room. So okay, couple of questions. Are you just looking at a monitor? A camera. A camera. Um, and are there different voices or is yeah. it always? So yes. it can be male or female male, depending female. on the day. There's one from Dundalk, an okay. Irish man, and he came up to me in the after party and he was like, oh, hi, Huey. And I said, hi, hi, hi what's your name or whatever and he was like oh I'm your Irish big brother like just like waving at me and he had long red hair and a big long red beard and my god he didn't look like his voice really if that makes sense yeah like I seen Adrian Kennedy in a <laughs> in a video one day and he looks completely different to what I imagined yeah, like you know I've what had you a, mean. I, he's been in my head for years <laughs> <laughs> so you, you you never saw the big brother voice no, obviously never. The, the face never yeah. so it's, okay. it, there's like there's English big brothers there's Irish ones there's like people from other countries like foreign countries to us, obviously, yeah. and we're foreign to them. <laughs> and like male, female people that's been there for years, new people. Sometimes, if the people who does the Big Brother voice, then producers, because they're producers also, yeah. um, can't do it. Sometimes they'll get like a runner to do it or somebody who works. Like anyone can just do it. Do you know what I mean? They just get anyone in. <laughs> and do they ask you to go into the yeah. diary room? Yeah. And you're probably in there for like 20 minutes and it's edited. Sometimes you're in there. So, they lock you in the room and like you want to yeah, yeah. like you want to go in right and say look big brother I've been waiting two days for I love how we keep calling them big brother knowing <laughs> these parts is not going to be aired as well like <laughs> I'm just going to ask them for cigarettes yeah. that's not going to be aired so why do I have to even say oh big brother can I have cigarettes I should just like I don't know why I don't address them more human like <laughs> yeah. if that makes sense it's bizarre how it becomes so normal yeah, to you're, you you're, yeah. like that so you like they call you in and then if you wanted something, you could be waiting hours to go in. And then what makes it 50 times worse is an argument could happen in the house and then they'll call them in. And it's like, well, if you had time to call them in, why couldn't you let me go in for two seconds and ask for a clean towel? For Christ <laughs> almighty's sake. Because you're raging when you go in there. Oh, that, that's how they wind you up. Exactly. Oh my God. It used to drive me absolutely insane. My ex, God, is <laughs> used to carry on. Like they wouldn't give us fags one day and wouldn't let us out of the garden because they were setting up a task and they had all the shutters on so there was nowhere to go to smoke and my ex ran up the stairs went out to the fire exit and got a security guard um, who stands around the house to give him a cigarette otherwise he was not like there was just no talking to him to give him a cigarette a producer <laughs> ran around the outside and had to stand there to make sure there was no conversation and he stood there and had his fag and walked back in and then he was just calm and sat down. So like, they do really wind yeah, you up. Yeah, totally. They really wind Jeez. you up. And you were, so you ended up being runner-up. Runner-up. Of So, okay, let, let's talk about that. I mean, how was it when you came out? Was it just bananas? Did You know, were you prepared for no, the... No, no, I wasn't. Do you know what? I wasn't prepared for... Because our season ended up doing quite well. So mm. as much as Big Brother had been on a decline, our season done really well in the ratings and got a lot of press. And it done really well over here in Ireland because like, I was an Irish person on it. And especially back then, we didn't have much Irish reality stars. Because yeah. of Love Island now, you get your hearing of more. There wasn't really anyone. And we always have like one show on at once because we have like four channels. <laughs> 
So like now we've done some of the stars and in a few years it'll probably be something else or whatever. We don't have a big variety. Mm. So we act like it's so crazy when somebody goes on a show. So when I came out, like it was so weird because of that. But what I found the most strange was... And this is the weirdest thing ever because people find it so bizarre is I couldn't accept that my family accepted my sexuality. Really? I was, I found it so bizarre that my life was now open, even though I'm not a private person. I, I had to transition from almost one life to the other and I thought Big Brother was going to be that, but it wasn't. I had to do it still afterwards. Like, I found it so weird, like introducing my boyfriend to my dad. Really? Yeah, and him being so normal because he'd been... He so obviously was watching you every night though, wasn't he? Yeah, like he'd watched it all the time and he he had his transitional period whilst I was in the house. He spoke about that in Living With Lucy, so he's been very honest about it. Mm. But I um, I struggled with people knowing, knowing that about me almost, even though that seemed to everyone else must is the biggest relief ever. I had to come to terms almost with maybe I was coming to terms with it myself maybe so because all that was going on within me um, I kind of overshadowed the feeling of intensity of people knowing me but that was still like really weird like I remember walking down Oxford Street the day after I got out of the house and it's very weird to be in the real world the only way I can describe it is like do you remember when lockdown ended now we go into shops and you don't need to wear a mask we're still did you still kind of Think, God, do you remember we had to wear masks yeah. all the time, there were screens up all the time. Like, we're still c- coming around to this still. That's really what I can describe Big Brother as like, is how lockdown is so alien to you. Get like, you. You're living your, your life, you're living your own life, but it's such a weird life. Was everyone That's, looking at you on Oxford Street? Yeah, God, it's weird. And then you don't know whether somebody's walking up to you because you know of them or their family, so you don't know how to speak to them. Until they mention whatever it is to you. Yeah. And I'm still like that now. Like if some woman just walks up to me on O'Connell Street, I won't go, oh, hi, yeah, I've been on TV. Why would I do that? <laughs> I wait until she says it. Because I'm thinking, is she like my mum's friend I've met twice or something? It's kind of weird <laughs> like that. I get so you. So it was really weird. And like there was a lot of hype and stuff, but it goes down after a few weeks. But that affects a lot of like reality people because like they find it really weird when, I don't know, they're not popular anymore. Whereas, as I said, that's not why I actually, even though I always wanted to be in the media, that's, I didn't think I was going to get anything from Big Brother. And within a few weeks, I got asked and accepted to do Dancing with the Stars. Really, yeah? Yeah, and I was the first person to have ever, ever um, cast on Dancing with the Stars, you know. No way! Yeah, the first person ever I did ever really? cast. Like, it was like in August... I got cast on that and it didn't start till January and I wasn't announced to be on the show till like December. Mental. How was that? Did you love it? I really, really wish I could do it now. Really? Yeah, because I love it. you think back. you're a different person? Yeah, like also like with the thing after Big Brother, you need to remember is I'd never had a relationship. I could just come out to my family, never been on TV, never really travelled, hadn't even partied a lot because I felt like my life was quite sheltered and... As I said, I struggled with friends and all these things. So there was all of that like going on in my head and Big Brother happened and suddenly everybody's really lovely to me when I wasn't used to that, if I'm very honest. Sure. So I was I was now really popular when I'd never, ever been. And then was, surrounded by yes people, so was, as we yeah, spoke about before. Like, I mean, we know that bullshit, yeah, you know. Like people from your hometown that would never even speak to you suddenly all want to chat to you in the shop and tell everyone they went to school with you. It's all of that. It's mad, it's, isn't it? It's, How did it, you get your head around that fakeness? It's ridiculous. And that's why I said earlier, I now, know that kind of toxic reasons why I wanted to be on telly as a teenager is a lot of rubbish because it's not real love like there is genuine fans and genuine people and it's nice to be proud of people from your hometown and whatever of course but you don't like 
go out of your way about it. Like if you see them or you can share something online, but I feel like there's a lot of fakery and like you'll get that, you know what I mean? And you'll understand that. But um, so Dancing with the Stars, the reason why I've just said what I said is because it goes with my answer is why I feel like I didn't necessarily enjoy it. It's like I just got into a relationship and yeah. the person I was with was very, like he was, he, he, he had a lot of insecurities. So I'm, trying to like think of it in a nice way like he kind of always wanted to be, be with him all the time right. and that's no good especially like at any age or in any relationship but or also if you're trying to start like take opportunities because like you know especially in the media industry they're here today and they're not there tomorrow and, and you, didn't all, have, you didn't have an agent did you? No and there's always someone new and like all of, there's always someone bigger Jeez, I was only this like kid from Ballymun who'd been on Big Brother and bloody season 17 that no one really cared about so I, I was so thankful to have got like that show and stuff and I didn't end up enjoying it I didn't end up really? when everyone was losing weight and getting fit I was gaining weight on the show I was eating all the time I was partying 24-7 I was falling out with people and I was being somebody that sometimes isn't me like I was I was having rows with some of produ- with producers and all and like that's just not me and it comes off really ungrateful and I was so grateful of where I was but I'd a lot I had negativity going on in my life and I was still coming to terms with everything and my life was like a year before that or even eight months before that I was working in a youth club in Ballymun Getcha. you were dad, overwhelmed I, I, my dad thought I was going to marry a woman and I had barely any <laughs> friends and all of this so, but now suddenly I'm on RTE every week I'm like meeting all these people. I'm like Nikki Byrne is standing there chatting to me, who I watched in Westlife my whole life and stuff. Like I, it was very bizarre. It was very weird. Okay. It was very weird. There's a lot to take in, and I didn't end up getting to enjoy the show. I had some enjoying moments, but I wish I could do it now and really appreciate it and like take it in. It's such a huge like thing to just get like to get asked to do stuff. Like I feel so privileged. Like even you asked me to come in here now. It's like so lovely that somebody even is interested to like hear about you or get to know you and like make you feel something. Do you know what I mean? Like that's really nice and like it can help others with your conversations. But come here, to to me, you are somebody who has clearly grown from that time from yeah, Big gorgeous, Brother. Yeah. Like listening to you now, you were just so overwhelmed when you got really? that opportunity to do Dancing with the Stars. Like you are the most genuine person. Oh, thank you. Honestly. And that'll that'll completely always be with you and stand to you. I think so. And I think because you have so much to give, your media career will mm. continue. You just need to decide what, 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 what area you want to go into. Yeah. On that, like where do you want to kind of go? Do you know what? I... People have always said to me, you'd be really fun if you presented a show, but I feel like I'd like to present radio more than TV. Do you think? Yeah, I love chatting and I, I always love, I was actually saying this, my cousin dropped me off here and we were listening to the radio and I was like, I love listening to the radio in the morning time. I don't know why, I just always liked that. But like, I don't care about being famous or being rich or any of those things that a lot of people associate with reality television and my God, are they associated with me? It's always something that I've loved. And I don't know why, but I just do. And I, I like meeting people. I, I just, I'm such a people's person. And maybe there is a little element of that thing as a kid where I want to feel celebrated or some way important. And there'll always be that insecurity slightly. But I, I just like it. So that's my, that's like people, my, yeah. my ambition in life is to always do media work as long as I love it. But I know I will always love you, it. You will. And I have no doubt, like you're such an intelligent, smart person who's interested 
as well as being interesting. Yeah. So I think you you can only continue to, yeah, to keep definitely. going. Come here, before we go, I have this thing. I didn't tell you about this. What is that? <laughs> <laughs> so we're going to try something new, right? It's called the Relative Rapid Fire. Would go you be on? on? I'm always on. Huey's always on. <laughs> right. John, fabulous producer, will you put two minutes on the clock there? Um, all right, I'm going to throw some questions at you and it's just quick rapid fire to give an idea of what Huey's like. Right, I'm just going to randomly throw them at you. See what you think, right? Don't say men or women. <laughs> <laughs> okay, first job. I'd say probably when I used to work with my dad on weekends on market stalls. Okay, favourite colour? Oh, Hugh is a pink fan, but I love green. Oh my God, I love green. Death Row Meal. Oh, mash beans, <laughs> loads of butter and fish fingers with Heinz ketchup. Only Heinz, yeah? Yeah. Okay. Uh, what's your best feature? Oh, my big booty, definitely. <laughs> How many keys have you got in your keychain? Oh, I've just got a new like little like chalet caravan and there's like 15 keys <laughs> and I'm only one of them work. <laughs> I'm like, why have you got all these keys? It's driving me insane. My ADD is like losing control. <laughs> okay, favourite city in the world? Oh, Huey's a Dublin vibe. What random thing annoys you? I hate when people, for example, you know if they want to go, they say this a lot in England, if you if they want food from McDonald's, they go, oh, I'm dying for a McDonald's. Instead of saying I'm dying to get food in McDonald's. It's little stuff like that. Or my sister says, I really need to go for a sunbed. And I'm like, why don't you say I need, I want to go to the sunbeds. <laughs> like it's little things like that really. Or she'll say, to, I want to give my daughter a weedy bix. She wants, I'm like, it's weedy bix. <laughs> It's like I hate when people don't grammatically correct their sentences. Okay. I can't help it. I'm not meaning to be like that. Oh, listen, it's the little icks. Uh, for yeah. me, it's people who don't indicate. <laughs> it just doesn't yeah, but that's in. No, but that's not a nick. That's very dangerous. <laughs> <laughs> I, think, I, I know the answer to this one. Snow holiday or sun holiday? Oh, sun. Now you're winding me up, not snow. Sun okay. and my little G-string walking around. <laughs> Last song you listened to. Oh, I can't remember because... Oh, yeah, it was an Eminem song called Not Afraid. Okay, say a word in Spanish. Hola. <laughs> oh, I am... Um, also, do you say uh, Chico Sexy? Okay, uh, sexy who's your man. celebrity crush? Oh, Tom Hardy. <laughs> yeah? Tom Hardy and Killian Murphy together. <laughs> your favourite Spice Girl? Jerry, because she's really attention-seeking like me. <laughs> Giving presents or getting presents? I would say getting, but you know what? I actually love um, being like generous and loving and quite romantic at heart, you know. I'm not surprised. <laughs> you definitely go I cry a lot and stuff. <laughs> well, on that note, if the toilet roll was really low but not completely out, do you replace it or do you leave it for someone else? Oh, I'm never bloody replacing it. I thought you were going to say that we're going to get an extra roll, <laughs> like for me. <laughs> I'm not replacing you. Someone else can. What's your fi- What's your middle name? Oh, I've four. Four do I? Huey Martin Francis P.O. I'm a Francis too. Okay, last thing. Three words to describe yourself. Funny, flawed, booty. Perfect. <laughs> I'll throw it in there. Genuine. Genuine. You've I don't been, think I should call myself that. It's a bit narcissistic, isn't it? I, don't I can call you that. Yeah. You have been absolutely brilliant. Thank you so much for coming on. It's all relative. Thank you so much for having me. It's been lovely. It's All Relative with Susan Bradley, an original podcast series from News Talk. From you.